if you're at all a fan of the loud, quiet, loud dynamic, you know, a lot of bands have done it. <clears throat> People kind of credit the Pixies with it, but as you mentioned earlier, Sean, Led Zeppelin was down with the loud, quiet, loud. Nirvana, obviously, they took that directly from the Pixies. The Scottish, and I hate the term prog rock because most prog rock makes me want to pull my eyes out of my head. Mogwai, the Scottish guitar band, are so, so, so very good. Mostly instrumental, but their records have been consistently amazing for almost 20 years. They're just an amazing band, and that's one of their songs right there. As we kick off episode 61 of the Brian Oak Show, right here from the Smart Start MN Studios, which are located in South Minneapolis on Chicago Avenue, 10 blocks away from where uh, George Floyd lost his life, or at least was rendered unconscious when exactly he lost his life. I'm not interested in forensics. All I know is that a man who did virtually nothing wrong is dead. And as a result, not only since the last time you and I talked, which was last Thursday, yeah. Not only did Minneapolis burn, but the the rage and the anger and the tension has spread out, not just across the Twin Cities, not just into the suburbs, but literally nationwide. Philadelphia has burned and been looted. New York City, Atlanta, Los Angeles, and many, many, many points in between. And it's time. It is high, high, high time not to burn the world down around us, but to draw attention to something that people have been talking about for decades and generations. And, you know, you and I, as left-leaning white middle-aged males, probably pretty comfortable thinking, you know, like, you know what, we're doing the right thing. We don't consider ourselves part of the problem. We are, you know, in support of things getting better for everybody. But it turns out just being an ally might not be enough. That's what I realized. I'm not doing enough. I mean, I, I think, obviously, I stand up against racism anytime i see it hear it it's put me in really awkward situations i've left a super bowl party once because two guys just kept using the n-word about the players and yeah, i'm like yeah why are you even watching the game and a friend of mine were the only two out of everybody there to actually get up and leave the party but i look at it and i'm like but i'm not that's not enough because you're not going to change those folks anyway but i i haven't done enough i think to even go back to where i'm from in north minneapolis to go help out and to do more uh, from that degree, I've mentored 30 people, but I haven't mentored anybody from my old neighborhood, yeah, uh, north or south. And so that's something that I've realized I got to step up in other ways and show some kids that there's a different way to to live and there's opportunity and all that stuff. So I, I that's what I'm trying to focus on is that I can't change everybody and I can be really pissed off mm -hmm. at this president, rightfully so. And I've let go of some friends that I've they've revealed their true colors and all that, but I've just realized I I have to do more. Yeah, and I agreed. And so, you know, uh, like when we were talking about the way women were treated, we did a whole month of nothing but women yes. guests. And right now we're kind of in a stretch of listening to the voices of people of color, which we'll do again today. Local uh, business owner, Tony Zaccardi, who owns Palmer's in southeast Minneapolis, is going to be our guest coming up here very, very shortly. And I don't know that that's still enough. Giving someone a voice, right? I mean, like, there if, if there's going to be... Remember last week on the show, the last uh, podcast, episode 60, we had Jared Brewington, who's been a guest before. He's a good friend. He's so articulate, and he's got such a giant heart, and he, he believes in his community so much that it makes me feel small and ineffectual and stupid and lacking perspective, but that's not his goal. His He's just, he's one of those shining rays of light, but one of the things he said, I just re-listened to episode 60, he said, when things have changed, there will be white people throwing themselves in front of the bodies of black people. And he's right. And I don't think that means you have to die for someone you've never known before, but it means that you have to think of every one of your other fellow humans as a human being. Now, on the plus side, before we get to our guest tonight, the response in our neighborhood, you know, I called it my neighborhood and I was accused of white privilege or white fragility, whatever, but it is my neighborhood. Okay. It is. I live, I live in Southeast Minneapolis, not 10 blocks from where the original, you know, burning was all happening. Well, 14 blocks, fine. Um, just because there's always people out there doing the math, uh, which isn't <laughs> the point. Um, it is our neighborhood, but if we're really going to make it our neighborhood, then we have to start treating each other like neighbors. And what's wonderful to see, overwhelming to see at area public schools, or at the intersection of Lake and Hiawatha, wherever you want, people showing up with brooms and shovels to clean up. Obviously, that doesn't fix the problem, but people coming out of the woodwork to do what they can to help. And 
places where they're like, okay, our grocery store burned down and we don't have transportation. What the fuck are we going to do? People showing up with so many bags of groceries that they're turning people away that they're like, you know what? We don't have any more room, nor do we have the ability to distribute all of this. And so this is my, my, for those of you who listen in the Twin Cities area, this is my urging. Everybody wants to help right now. Everybody's lost. Everyone's confused. Everyone's in pain. Everyone is still, I haven't slept for shit for the last week. Since I've seen you, I haven't had a proper night's sleep once. And, um... But it's not about me. Here's what we have to do is we have to remember, you know, so I wanted to drive down there, but I also don't know that I can look at a war-torn region like that. So next week, I'm going to go down with more bags of groceries because there's always that initial rush of support, right? And there's always that initial desire to do everything you can to help this impossible, urgent, terrible situation. But then it dies off and people sort of go back to that place of complacency. And I'm not saying don't bring supplies and groceries and things to the areas that are asking them, be they public schools, which are in my neighborhood, the actual ground zero there where all the burning and looting has taken place. Things have been quieter the last couple nights in Minneapolis. But I'm going to wait because that need is not going to go away soon. That Cub Foods that got looted and burned is not coming back anytime soon. And these people are going to need to eat yeah, one of the things I thought about, and I'm just saying this, we're having a production meeting right on the show right now. But Fine, on-air production meeting. One of the things I thought about is uh, maybe as some of these businesses come together, a way that we could help is give away some free public service announcements about their businesses being re- reopened. Happily. I mean, so my thought is like that that we can write out a list, because uh, there's 250 businesses that were looted or burned. Yes. Now, you know, some of them are local, some of them are not, but... For the local businesses that are making it through, once they get to the point where they can have customers again, I think it'd be nice for us to rotate through some some of the businesses. It may be just a drop in the bucket, and I'm going to try to do some other things personally, but it might be a way for us to be able to give them some free promotion. My name uh, is Brian Oak. It is The Brian Oak Show, Episode 61. His name is Sean Bernard. If you would like to email me directly, which I normally don't do, but this is... Oh, God, I thought, remember when COVID seemed like it was the real danger yeah. as opposed to the city burning? Um, it, these are, oh, I don't even want to say it out loud. It's hurting my feelings. Unprecedented times because these are actually unprecedented times. Minneapolis, St. Paul, the Twin Cities have never seen this level of destruction, this level of frustration, which, by the way, I am not against the level of frustration. I am not blaming any one group for the burning and the looting and all that stuff. I think there is no small amount of outside agitators involved in making the conflagration worse. But let's do this. If you have a local business and you need help... We cannot offer you any money. We're not really making any money here. But what we can do is we can mention how people can help you. Brian Oak, B-R-I-A-N-O-A-K-E at gmail.com. Let me know who you are, what you do. I don't care if you're a gas station, if you're a grocery store, if you're a mystery bookstore. Yeah. If you're a... Especially a a mystery bookstore. Well, Uncle Hugo's, (laughs) I'll tell you about that in a minute. I mean, like, maybe you're... uh, I don't know. Maybe you're a high lie academy. You know, <laughs> you, you just have to go. You always have to go weird because because I want people to understand that I know that people out there have their own passions, yeah. their own dreams. Brianoak at gmail dot com. Shoot me your information. I cannot promise you that we will do your PSA, but upon further review, if there is, if, if you know, if it, it may get five seconds, but if there's a way that we can direct people to help you and to learn more about what you do, look, that's my neck of the woods, man. And I know it's not my neighborhood. That's it's not white privilege. I live there. I planted my roots there more than 30 years ago. I want that neighborhood to stay interesting and weird and vibrant. Plus, I was starting to get really good at highlight. That's true. Okay. That's true. <laughs> Just kidding. I got a bad <laughs> name. Uh, but feel free to email me, or is there another place that people could go if they want to email some information? They can just go to the website, and my contact name uh, information is on there as well. I want you to promise me one thing as somebody from Irish descent. Don't ever say these words. Well, it can't get any worse than this. I've never said those words. Because, because of Murphy's Law. No, no, no. I don't say things like that yeah, because never, what you do is you ever, call it into ever. being. Yes. Oh, no, no. Yeah. We, we watched last Thursday. I, I kept saying the whole show. I'm like, I'm worried that tonight's going to be worse than last yeah. night. And it was. I know. It was much worse. And we'll over the weekend, things have been quelled. So, no, no, don't, don't ever tempt fate. And I don't really believe in fate. But there's something about challenging the universe to do worse to you than it's already done that almost guarantees that something worse is going to happen. So I've come to uh, recall these, the um, 
the pandemic riots, and and now they've expanded across the entire country. We've got to find a way to do better, and that's why I want to talk to people of color. I want to talk to people who maybe can offer a little more insight. And I, as I, as we talked about last week when we talked to Jared, listening has never, ever, ever been more important. So I'm going to do a little less talking right now, and we're going to take a little break, and we're going to listen to some music, a really important band, and then we're going to come back and talk to local black business owner Tony Zaccardi, who in the last few days has been profiled by Newsweek and just yesterday was on CNN, not like last week's most recent guest, Jared Brewington. We're the epicenter of world news right now, and it's kind of freaky, and it's weird when people that you've known for years are suddenly getting international attention, and I'm very, very honored to have them both willing to be part of the show. But in the meantime, let's go back to 1969. Let's go back to one of the first bands that at a time, even though people, hippies, everyone thought they were enlightened, probably like we do now, this was a band that showed more racial integration and more of a celebration of our common human goal than any other band out there. Literally any other band out there. Sly and the Family Stone with their song Stand on The Brian Oak Show. There was always, you know, Sly in his later years got a little off kilter. People were worried about his sanity and worried about how he was. And I don't know anything about that. I don't want to speak to that. But what I do want to speak to is in the late 60s when Vietnam overrode the summer of love, right? And it was it was 
a, a scary time in America. And despite the fact that everyone thought like, oh, we finally fixed civil rights. Everything's fine now. We're good. Sly and the Family Stone recognized that wasn't true. And they were a truly integrated band. And they put, there was a woman on drums. That didn't happen. No. You know, and white and black together. And the music of all of it, some of it, most of it extremely positive. You know, but the song I wanted to play right there, Drops the N-bomb. It's don't call me N-word, whitey. Don't call me whitey, yeah. N-word. And I just feel like I'm trying to be less inflammatory, and I'm trying to listen, and I'm trying to learn. And, you know, but when Sly said it, he's allowed to say it because that's the life he grew up with. Imagine when he was a young child in the 50s, what his life must have been like. Oh, God. And But now, you know, so as, as a middle-aged white liberal, I think to myself, like, well, it's different for the kids who grew up recently. And I'm like, you know what, though? It's not, actually. And that's what we're watching unfold right now. And so learning and listening, you know, I don't think you have to subjugate yourself to balance the scales. But I think that, as I've always said, I've always believed this, you have to treat everyone you walk by in the street like a human being. You know, you don't have to love them. You don't have to be their best buds. You don't have to go help them rake their lawn rocks or whatever. (laughs) You really need a lot more sleep. That's the first thing. Uh, I got to be honest, man. I, have, I haven't had more than three or four hours of sleep since I've seen you last. Yeah. I really, really need to sleep. Yeah. Um, my point is, Sly and the Family Stone, they were they were an important part of what was happening then. They were an important part of positivity and moving things forward. Plus, they fucking jammed. They were really good. It's the Brian Oak Show, episode 61. Let's go ahead and knock out a couple sponsors before we talk to our now nationally celebrated guest, one Tony Zaccardi. First and foremost, uh, Sean Bernard, you are not only my friend, the producer, co-owner of the Brian Oak Show. You are also a realtor for Edina Realty at the 50th and France location. And although these are incredibly tumultuous times, people are still buying and selling real estate and renting as well. They are. It was uh, We had our big corporate uh, meeting this morning where they talked about, uh, you know, agents and what we're posting and the conflict with everybody and that we need to do a better job as a company to make sure that people are served in the community and Although we do some things that I'm really proud of already, uh, there's so much more that needs to be done. The disparity of uh, black-owned homes in Minneapolis versus white-owned homes is not even close. Well, and, and, and again, this is that disparity speaks a little bit to the fact that Minnesota, even though it imagines itself friendly, is severely white. I grew up in Coon Rapids, which well, was severely white. But that being said, even even when you take the demographics yes, into yes. account, the disparity is still startling. That's exactly right. And there's a socioeconomic, uh, you know, factor with that as well. But, right. So I don't want to go into all that. I just want to say that if you if you do know somebody who's interested in buying or selling, 612-859-2594. Um, I have been donating a portion of the sales to the warming house. I'm going to talk to them because part of me wants to take those donations and put them over to the businesses that need the help. Um, so I'm going to talk to warming house about that first and see when they're going to be back in business as well. But I do give a portion of every sale to the warming house and I give everybody that um, does this uh, any business with me, a one-year membership for two. They're on 40th and Bryant and South Minneapolis. They were out protecting their business every single night with friends. Mm-hmm. And I actually said to them, you matter more than your business. It's your true. lives matter more than your business. And I'm sorry, but some of these people were armed up. I get it. But a lot of you have insurance. So anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I got, Well, just don't die. Don't I guess. die. Don't die. Yeah, life it, is it, a prerequisite it, to all their values. That's exactly. It just is. And the world would be less without you. Yep. Uh, also, thanks to SmartStartMN, uh, SmartStartMN.com, Minnesota's original ignition interlock company. They are the ones who, I know it's hard to think about something as simple as drinking and driving and getting popped for that right now. With the backdrop of a pandemic, with the actual riots and looting that are happening, with the systemic racism that is always existed and we've all always known it but now has been exposed like a raw nerve not just here in the twin cities but across the nation it might be weird to think about but it's still going to happen people are still going to make bad choices smartstartmn.com is where you go smartstartmn.com slash the brian oak show if you want a 20 percent discount on installation they will get you back on the road even though you're not on the road as much these days we're all kind of locked down it's something you need to know about and they're really good guys 
guys, and they've been with us since day one. Here we are at episode 61. Shall we meet our guest? We shall. So our guest today has been featured nationally and therefore internationally a couple times in the last couple of days, uh, featured in Newsweek in an editorial, featured yesterday with John King on CNN, and now at any moment our phone call could be interrupted to for him to talk to the New York Times, and let's be honest, that kind of international exposure and coverage about what we're doing and what we're even talking about last week, this week, and maybe for weeks to come is more important than the Brian. Oak Show, which is in episode 61, by the way. Uh, his name is Tony Zaccardi. I first got to know him as a member of the local band Crudler back in the 90s, and he has played music for a long time. He is a stalwart member of a great local band called Romantica, but he's also, despite his African-American origins, a freakishly deep fan of Guns N' Roses and has a cover <laughs> band called Appetite for Zaccardi, which I did, everything about this guy is endearing. He and I hit it off from the first time we met. I've always enjoyed his company. He's always been kind to me. He's afforded me privileges that normal people don't get afforded. Um, and he owns a local business. A couple of years ago, he bought Palmer's in, on Cedar in southeast Minneapolis, an area that you could hardly describe is going through an economic boom, but he decided to make the investment anyways because he knows so many people in the music community and he believes in South Minneapolis, which is kind of what this whole thing is about right now. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it is one Tony Zaccardi. Tony, my first question for you, how are you and your family? You cool? We're good. Everyone's safe and healthy and and uh, and we're yeah, we're in good shape. We're, uh, it's, yeah, it's been a pretty weird few months and then, you know, just they're start, starting to feel a little better than and then all of this started happening. And, uh, whew. Yeah, well, again, against the backdrop of a, a global pandemic, to then have uh, what's happened here, you know, the murder of George Floyd, which I'm still, I'm doubling down on calling it a murder, the murder of George Floyd, while by no means the first time uh, a person of African-American origin has been mistreated by law enforcement. And again, I'm not, there is a systemic problem. I'm not saying that every cop is a bad cop, but with no. the video you see, it, it obviously things... There are problems there, and, and problems is understating the case. There, there are real problems there, but it's not the first time, you know. And so, you as a business owner in Southeast Minneapolis, you uh, first. Uh, so let, let's talk a little bit about the recent media coverage, and then maybe we can dig a little deeper. You <laughs> got contacted by Newsweek because when you boarded up your business to protect it, you know, and I know the margins are not high in that business. <laughs> you trying to protect your business from being burnt to the ground like so many businesses have, you put up the plywood to cover the windows and you spray painted black owned business. Is, is that what got the attention from Newsweek? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, Thursday morning, I went down to, to Lake and Minnehaha to see what the hook and ladder look like and see the, uh, like, see the liquor store to see what happened. And I was just, <clears throat> I was mortified. It was just devastating to see. And I saw, you know, Midori's floating world and you know, Gandhi Mahal had a minority owned uh, thing in the, over covering over covering a broken window and mm-hmm. seeing uh, the devastation of lake and I was like I've got a board at Palmer today I'm redoing the bathrooms here so I had a buddy coming to do some some work and he's like let's find some lumber and uh, let's board up the windows and he had to go to a couple different Home Depots even at that point to find wood and I, it was just an afterthought I was like I gotta find some spray paint I'm just gonna go put black on business on it I took a photo and I uh, I put it on I put it on uh, on Facebook didn't think anything more about it. You know, and then just it just started going crazy. Share, share, share a lot of comments, and it's like, oh, you know. And yeah, Newsweek, that Newsweek, London called me the next morning. I had an email. It's Newsweek would like to talk to you. A woman called me from their London bureau, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> okay. And then uh, and 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 then it just progressed. And then CNN yesterday morning, CNN or two days ago, CNN it was in my inbox, like, hey, we'd love to talk to you on camera tomorrow. Da da da, and uh, it was. You know, the reason I kind of, the Guns N' Roses thing, right before um, <laughs> the email, the guys from the, the GNR cover band uh, email text link came back, and somebody's like, he goes, this is Tony Zaccardi, and then they start to, they're giving me all kinds of song lyrics to try and say, and I was like, no, I couldn't even read it, because I didn't want to start laughing. <laughs> so they, <you> know, <laughs> uh, but now, but since then now, I've today I've spoken to CNBC, Business Insider, uh a blog that is owned by Spotify, a podcast that's owned by Spotify. Somebody in Finland wants to talk to me. Like, I don't, and I, 
who the hell am I? You know? Oh, um, no, no, no. That's not it, fair. I'm interrupting you there. I know who you are. You're Tony Zaccardi. And so what's important <laughs> is this. I know things go viral and people are like, oh, here's a black guy who owns a business in a city that's on fire that we can talk to. And so they're looking for any sign of any kind of in. They're looking for news, right? I mean, the, the content cycle, no matter how much everything's on fire, no matter how coast to coast this thing has gone, international acclaim, not acclaim, that's the wrong word, international attention. So when all these people are talking to you, you know, I've seen the articles, I've seen the, I saw the CNN thing, I, but I don't want to be the guy to try to put words in your mouth. So when they, when they talk to you, what are you telling them? What are you telling them about A, what it's like to be a black business owner and B, what what do we? I mean, I know, and I'm not expecting you to be Martin Luther King. I'm not expecting you to have the answers moving forward. But I mean, what what kind of message are you sort of giving across these many many national and international platforms? Well, these are the two that I've done. I've done Newsweek and I've done Newsweek and CNN. Um, <laughs> it's just it's bizarre to me. Um, and so the rest has been producers and, and just email and queries and stuff. Right. But you know, kind of my my what I've been trying to do is you know give a little hope, like seeing how much that we've been, like I said, something about like just how over South, the food drives and just the community every morning, people are out cleaning, sweeping, you know, anything they could do, donating brooms. So a friend of mine went to home Depot and he said he got 50, 50 sheets of plywood. And he was just going to, he's like, I'm just going to go uh, board up anything I can for folks. And they gave it to him at cost versus, you know, trying to make them at home Depot of all mm-hmm. places. Mm-hmm. Um, so just kind of trying to spread like, Hey, there are people that are really, really trying to like every day. I can let's fix this up and, and the community. I've got, there's a ton of eyes on the West bank at night, people on top of the towers, looking down, alerting people on police action. Um, people looking, everyone's checking suspicious packages, cars, which there are always on the West bank, suspicious cars. Um, but just people doing overnight saying, look at the folks that bid us mountaineering and the hard times. I'm not been as I've been wanting to, but I keep chickening out. Like I want to stay sit in my roof overnight, but I'm eh, once you know heavy heavy artillery gets involved, I, I just I don't need to. You know I love this building and this bar, and I'm I, I just I, but I, it's not worth my life. You know? yeah, it's certainly not worth your life, and I mean I live a mere I don't know twenty blocks away from your establishment, Palmer's Bar, which has been there for a very long time, and you decided to acquire Palmer's in an era where that area is not exactly. <laughs> as I mentioned, undergoing explosive growth, but you, <laughs> no. you you believe in the South Side, man. I mean, like, so we talked to Jared Brewington last Thursday. He believes in the South Side. I made the South Side my home more than 30 years ago, so maybe I'm not born and raised there, but it's an area that matters a lot to me, and, you know, it's... <sighs> I hate asking these yeah. questions. I feel more ignorant than I was before when I asked these questions. But yeah. we've, we've you can ask, it's me though. You can ask me. I, I know I can. <laughs> I, I know. Really oh no, you and I, dude. You and I one night did a drunken Facebook live <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> that will live that will live in infamy. Um, I. Uh, uh, but I wonder, like, so for for. You know, I've always considered myself an ally, and like you, I, yeah. it's weird. Like <laughs> you, you hear so many white people, like I don't see color. Well, fuck you, because you didn't ever have to see color, right? And so, I wonder for like square ass middle aged white guys like me and Sean, you know, if we're actually going to be allies, if we're actually going to do something. And I have to agree, watching the cleanup efforts has been heart wrenching and inspiring. Watching the amount of food, mm-hmm. some places getting so much food that they have to turn people away. So let's save it for next weekend when people start to sort of lose interest for lack of a better term when the food's really going to need to be there and again i'm not expecting you to be the the person who understands and saves our society but what do you think is the right thing for people to do right now you know i have a friend of mine who's a he's, uh, lives in chicago and he tours the world with cheap trick and he's for he's like i'm 45 and i look like a cop tony <laughs> what what can I do? How can I how can I be an ally? You know how can I? He can ask the same thing. How can I? And I was like, I don't have any clue. You right. know, because like we certainly can't wear black because now people are getting shit for wearing a black lives matter shirt. It's like, well, no, because you know that's people generally like. I want to help. I want to do. I'm here. What can I? Do? You know, I don't really have a good answer to that because I I don't really know. You know, I I don't know how Brian Oak or my buddy Mark in Chicago. How can he's like? No, I'm. I want to help. I want to listen. What can I do to help? You know, and it's. I think the. You know, the you know, I should have told him, and maybe the best thing is like, just show up at a at a at a site, you know, near you know, especially on Lake Street, where it's all those, it's just devastating, and um, but just you know, show up anywhere, 
that somebody needs something and, you know, the bag of groceries or a, you know, or a, a $20, whatever it is, a broom, you know, some, some fire singers, some right. dustpan, anything, you know, I think that's a, maybe a great approach, but as far as like on the real deal level, I, I wouldn't know how to, I'd be With, rock and, rock and that's that. the whole bit. I mean, I, I you know, people want long term, long term systemic change, but even just in the short term, I think, you know, we have to address that first, but moving forward, you know, I remember last Thursday we talked to Jared and I asked him the same question. He's like, you know, I tell this to so many people who are like, how can I do better at this? How can I be better? And he's like, I'm not black Google. You know, and it it made me laugh, right. but it also it also reaches to the heart of the problem. All right, so before we get into your first song that you've chosen, um, you are the proprietor of Palmer's Bar in Southeast Minneapolis on Cedar. And when you decided to board up, you painted black-owned business on the giant sheets of plywood. You know, I know that there is a more than righteous anger out there, a decades, maybe centuries-long anger that's been welling up that never gets addressed. But what are you worried that because... It's a it's a proven fact that even if there are a small percentage that white agitators or agitators in general are in from out of town or taking advantage of this, are you worried that, that paints a bigger target on Palmers? Yep, hundred um, percent. So I didn't mean to say it was such enthusiasm, but no, absolutely. <laughs> I, uh, well, you should. I mean, cause it, it scared me when yeah. I first saw it. I was like, you know what? That's the right thing to do. I'm like, well, wait. If there are people here who are are here solely to so unrest then maybe that only makes it a bigger target yeah i see that was my initial thought it was like oh man maybe i should it was like the next day i'm like oh i wonder if i should paint that take, take that down or paint it differently but then i was like you know what i was in newsweek and there's a top story on news newsweek.com with that photo mm-hmm. um i said if for you know these guys i'm on if they have a list i'm on it you know the 4chan uh, those kids that are sitting in their houses encouraging people to do crazy things, right. they already know who this place is if they're looking for it. So I'm just going to leave it up and be proud about it. It's kind of been my uh, stand strong to it. You know? Under, and, and and now subsequently, every business on Cedar Avenue now has plywood and says black owned, black owned, Somali owned, black owned, mm-hmm. almost every single shop. So I did it and, and they all did it the same. So it's all of us or nothing, you know. Yeah, well, I, I couldn't agree more, man. And, you know, the, I mean, that's the reason why I asked those sort of somewhat seemingly ignorant questions about how do allies be allies. Like, we, this is our neighborhood. We all share this neighborhood. And it's got, it's got to be there after. I, I was worried it wasn't going to be there after the pandemic, let alone riots and murder and fires. And I'm still I'm still hoping for the best. So in addition to being... The owner of Palmer's on uh, over there on the West Bank um, on Cedar in South Minneapolis. You've also been a musician for a long time, and one of the bands that you've been a stalwart in is Romantica. And you chose this particular song right here because Minneapolis is not the only hotspot. It may be the epicenter, but the damage and the unrest has you know rainbowed out from not just Minneapolis to St. Paul and surrounding suburbs but Philadelphia, Chicago, Atlanta, Los Angeles and many many points in between and this song right here uh, celebrates uh, a city that I know is near and dear to your heart uh tell me why you chose this song by Romantica to play on the show this song it's called St. Paul City Lights or used to, or known as aka the Turf Club the song we wrote as a love, love love letter to the Turf Club on University in Snelling Obviously, everyone knows the Turf Club. It's a stalwart venue, of course. Um, we we uh, kind of wrote it as a love letter. And now, uh, thankfully, the Turf is still standing, but they su- su- uh, suffered some significant damage due to having their sprinklers running for six hours. You know, Dana Frank, who owns it, posted some devastating video of just water rushing into the basement. Uh, mm. And it's just, it's just, it was really, you know, for a venue like that, which means it's my favorite venue to play in the Twin Cities that it has been for well over a decade, 20 years almost. Um, it was heartbreaking to see, and, and I'm glad it's there. Um, it's going to be a while before that place you know, actually reopens anyways, but now they've got work to do. And uh, she, she posted a real positive, like, hey, you know what? It's a building. We're still here, and uh, we're going to be here again. And it just it felt great. So, so thank you to the Turf Club. Yeah, Tony Zaccardi is our guest. Let's go ahead and hear a song by his band, Romantica. This is St. Paul City Lights on The Brian Oak Show. One more night under the city lights I got my jacket and I'm ready to go Into the heat of a St. Paul street Summer in the city below Well the Broadway lights treat me right Watch me when I'm going home One more kiss before we do this 
ticket I'm dying to show Everybody's at the turf club Over in St. Paul Dancing underneath the bar light To the sound of rock and roll Local band is playing country songs Everybody wants to sing along Minnesota band Romantica, uh, Tony Zaccardi, who is our guest today, is a member of that band, longtime member, as well as many other musical projects over the years, musician, owner of Palmer's Bar, African-American, and that's kind of what we're doing right now is it's it's really important for people to to listen and to support the community as well, which is why I'm still sort of flabbergasted, whatever that word means, that Busters on 28th has retained their sponsorship of The Brian Oak Show, which you're listening to right now. They are a local eatery, drinkery. They are, they do amazing work. They've been doing curbside. Now, apparently, as of yesterday, June 1st, the, the you know you can sit outside at restaurants if you're socially distanced. I have not been by there. I'm not sure if that's where they're at right now, but I will vouch for this. Since they're three blocks from my home, the food is exceptional. I've been going there for a very, very long time. Their selection of beer and wine is I won't say unparalleled, but I'll say it's certainly up there with the very best of them. And most importantly, they're good people. They believe in the community, and they have not had to... 
Actually, you know, I haven't drove by. I was going to say they're, they're I, I, driven by. I haven't. I, I don't. I was going to say they haven't boarded up their windows, but I don't know that that's true. Um, but I think the things right there on twenty eighth and forty second are at least relatively peaceful and um and they're good people they do a good thing and they decided they were going to back the brian oak show because i've known them for a very long time and i'm glad that they're still on board with us here and we're going to have more gift certificates pardon me gift cards to give away in the not too distant future yes we are not only that but we have brian oak show totes and if you're a patreon member we are going to be uh out in front of there in the next couple weeks sometimes actually handing out the brian oak show totes yeah to people who have been patreon members from the beginning we and, can, and guests and guests like tony's and, and guests as well tony you're more than welcome to stop by we actually it started out as kind of a joke given my previous gig that we were going to get tote bags and i'm looking at one right now that has the brianoakshow.com logo on it and i so i work at now my job now after 25 years and doing primetime radio i do this podcast and i also work at a record store in hopkins known as mill city sound and i brought one of these in there the other day and you can put no less than a dozen records maybe more into this particular tote bag it's literally the perfect shape for it um so we'll we will once once things settle down a little bit once people are a little more comfortable and we've got a little more sanity and stability we will have an event there at busters and 28th uh busters and 28th.com is uh the website to go to and get some takeout food keep these places alive so many of them have been looted or burned to the ground those that still exist i love minneapolis i want minneapolis to look as similar as possible on the other side of this in certain ways as possible because it's diverse it's it's weird like Dreamhaven books like i love to go in there and get weirded out by the figurines and the ancient hp lovecraft homes and things like that but i also want people to have jobs to go back to and i you know th- I, I i chose this place as a home a long long time ago and i don't want it to go away and i know that our guest today tony zaccardi feels the same way because he is the owner of Palmer's. Uh, before we get back to talking about Palmer's and where we're at right now and what South Minneapolis looks like, Tony, I want to ask you a little bit about you. Where Where did you grow up, man? I grew up, I was born in Columbia Heights, or uh, born in, Frid- in Fridley, and grew up in Heights, Columbia Heights, Fridley. And, uh, oh, so and then, you, you, and I have a, you and I have a lot in common. I'm a Coon Rapids guy. Like I, Not by yeah, choice, yeah. but that, that's where I grew up in Coon Rapids. My, I was born in Portland, Oregon, but I've lived in in Coon Rapids from the time I was less than two years old. So this is really the only home I've ever known. I didn't know you were a, uh, a North side suburban guy. Yeah. Born at unity hospital. Wow. <laughs> uh, friendly, friendly. And I spent my, you know, my formative years, I lived in uh, Brooklyn center, Brooklyn park. I was a teenager, you know, probably from about 10 until I was, uh, moved out of the house when mm-hmm. I was, you know, 20, 19 or 20, um, or 21, I guess I moved to Northeast. Um, yeah, so I was you know born Fridley and stuff, but yeah, I grew up. My main years were in Brooklyn Park. Brooklyn so Center. when did you when did you first? Because in addition to being the owner of Palmer's Bar, you were also a musician who has played with no shortage of musical <laughs> acts. When's the first time you picked up an instrument or decided music was going to be your jam? I tell you, probably about the fifth grade. It was sort of late eighties, eighty seven, eighty eight. I was my buddy and I would come home every day after school and do concerts. We called it. So we'd put, uh, we'd put a chair in front of his door because his older brothers would come in and make fun of us. And we'd uh, ten- t- tennis rackets and before CDs. So we put on, literally, we put on, and as millions of teenage boys have done for the last 30, 30 40 years, put on Kiss Alive 2 and, uh, Kiss Alive and, uh, and, and pretend we were doing concerts. And uh, my buddy wanted to be Ace Fraley, so I was Gene Simmons. And uh, so then I was like, all right, let's actually get real instruments. And so I got a bass guitar for my 13th birthday, which would be, Mm, well, how do you say it, it was in 1930 years ago in, in about a week on the 13th, June 13th, we might probably be 43. So yeah, 30 years ago, I got a bass guitar for real. Well, uh, holy and, crap. That's really weird. And, and, and <laughs> early and early happy birthday to you. Look, man. So growing up in Coon Rapids, my parent had parents had this sort of formica cube down in the family room in the basement. And every time Billy Idol's white wedding came on, I would jump on top of it and air guitar and do the sneer. Yep. And it was, it was my jam. So you get inspired, but then you like, so un, unlike me who does not have the diligence or the patience, you got a bass guitar did you lock yourself away in your room did you practice for hours or were how, how did that happen i didn't really know what to do with it really i got it and i was like okay this is 
And then, <laughs> you know, uh, my, so my aunt got, got me a week. I took one month of bass lessons from a local guy named Tom Dades or Tommy D. He was a bass mm-hmm. player for Slave Raider. You are dropping some yeah. ancient history on us right now, which is genius. Oh, oh uh, Chainsaw was, a, it was an old friend of my, my family's friend of my uncle's. My mom was there when they named the band. She, That's a terrible name. You know, <laughs> uh, but they taught me, uh, Letitia Ray, their previous bass player, Tish, she helped me pick, helped my uncle pick out my first bass. And then I took lessons from the second bass player from Slave Raider, Tommy D for about a month. Uh, and, and then from beyond that, um, just started playing with buddies and we just kind of figured it out on our own. I never took lessons beyond that. Uh, basically what Tommy did was show me kind of how to hold the guitar and, you know, where to put my fingers and how just makes sense of it. And, uh, I stuck with it, you know, and all the, a lot of the kids that I grew up playing in bands with, you know, here and there, they're doing some stuff. Um, but, but a lot of them aren't. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, I, for some reason it just stuck with me. And yeah, well, I know why it stuck with me because it's playing, it's, it's music. Um, but you and you play the stereo, and I'm sure you play the stereo. Well, you got paid to play the stereo very well for a, for a very long time. So, that's true. You know that's <laughs> that's what you do. And I just make the noise. And, well, and, so uh, so let me ask you this. So I first got to know you when you were in the '90s band Crudler, but I'm imagining somewhere mm-hmm. between when you were playing the tennis racket and actually playing in a real band, there must have been a couple of other little experiments in there. I find that almost you know after 25 years of interviewing musicians. Almost without exception, they were initially in. Now, even though you're in a good cover band called Appetite for Zaccardi, when you're young, you're not that good yet. And I, I have to imagine there had to be a period where you were in a cover band that could literally be considered crappy. Was that ever the case? Well, I, you know, I think the problem was because the music we listened to when we were 13 years old was not very easy to play. Right. Um, you know, Slayer, Primus, um, you know, kind of like, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, but then, you know, 92, you know, that's when we learned about different music, or, you know, 91. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, okay, Nirvana, that makes more sense. And, you know, learning Pearl Jam songs or, and then trying to write songs like Pearl Jam's or Nirvana songs or whatever. So then it, it, we kind of did that. And, you know, over the years, definitely, my, I had a band called Steeple. We played the Mirage and stuff, but we were like high school kids. Mm-hmm. But we'd play like White Zombie and Ooh. whatever we played back then. And, uh, but but it just it was just fun to write our own stuff, and we put out better tapes and started a ska band at one point with um, a bunch of close friends and Ryan Young from uh, they had they we called the Lemon Merchants and Ryan Ryan Young from Trampled by Turtles was in that band, mm-hmm. you know, like going way back and so um, um uh, so, sorry so, um the uh, just kind of, you know, it's just better to do our own thing. And uh, I had lots of bands over there. The Manta Rays was the first band that I started playing all the bars and stuff with. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, it just kind of, you know, kind of went from there and kind of started doing our own thing. And uh, it's somehow, you know, I, I knew Ben Kyle um, way back and he called me at one point and asked me if I wanted to, to join Romantica. I'm like, nah, I got too many things going on. <laughs> you know, and I, I was out to dinner with Elizabeth and, and I was like, hey, Ben Kyle and asked me to join Romantica. And I told him, no, I tried to do the right thing. And she's like, you call him right back. You know, three weeks later, I was on tour in New York City. And it's like, there you go. Did yeah. uh, did Ben so, Kyle go to Park Center? No, no. He, he went to Patrick Henry. And did you go to Park uh, Center or did you go to Patrick Henry? I didn't go to high school. Oh, you didn't? Actually, okay. No, I, I knew Ben. Truthfully, how I met Ben, yeah. like... Uh, and his brother Robin from Valet, we I, I was we used to hang out at the Perkins in Maple Grove, <laughs> and uh, at, you know late nights before we could drink, and um, and uh, his sister came up to me and goes, "Hey, is that you in these photos?" I'm like, "Yes, it was." We went saw, to the Foo Fighters at, at First Avenue um, on their first it was their first show in Minneapolis, um, and there's you know group photos and. I've given Dave Grohl the bunny ears in this group photo. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I, I put my hand up like his, his tour guide, like I'm not taking everybody's picture, you know, here, just I'll get in a group. And so he did. And then I put my hand up, like I'm going to give him the bunny ears. And I put it down. He's like, oh, yeah, do it, do it. Um, I haven't found that photo in a while, but um, so that's how she recognized me. And that's how I got to know Robin, uh, Ben's older brother. And, uh, you know, so I used to go see him play at coffee shops when he was mm, 14, you know, and I was like, man, this kid's really good. You know, he's going to do this. And uh, and then he did it. <laughs> you know, I guess. 
Well, so, he did do it. And yeah. so before we wrap things up, because we kind of like to keep these shows to about an hour because we found that people's tolerance and patience <laughs> lasts about an hour, no matter how good the story is. But I do have to ask you one last <laughs> music question before we wrap up and wrap up our sure. talk on Palmer's in Minneapolis. You have a cover band called Appetite for Zaccardi, and I don't know when the last time you played was. I haven't done enough research on that, but I remember the night I first heard Appetite for Destruction, and growing up in Coon Rapids, I was fucking done with hair metal. And then this guy... Scotty Hull, uh, who he, he worked at a record store. It was the night, it was night seven of the 1987 World Series, and he'd gotten an advanced copy of Appetite for Destruction. And he's like, do you guys want to hear a record that's going to change everything you ever thought you knew about L.A.? I was like, D- okay. And we listened, right. we listened to it through twice. I was like, oh, my God, I was having a fucking revelation. And then... The twins won, and we're like, let's go downstairs and be part of the fucking riots is the wrong word because we're seeing actual riots right now. But let's go down. Let's go downtown and see part of the the craziness. And we did. But I'll never, ever forget that night. How did why did Guns N' Roses react so strongly with you? You know, I I, I think, you know, the same way that Nirvana did, I guess I was young and I mean, I was I guess I was 10. You know, I I didn't really have anger. She was at 10, but. (laughs) <laughs> it just, it's, it's, it, it, by 14, I sure did. But I, I don't know that just that record, same thing. It just like it resonated. It's my favorite record of all time. Without still to this day, I, I don't think I'll ever love a record as much as I love that album. It just, you know, I couldn't, you know, we're 10 singing, you know, singing some of those lyrics to her at the lunch table when we were 10 years old in the fifth grade. Like, dude, we said bad words, you know, like, but, <laughs> but uh, for some, you know, for some reason, it just sticks with it, and, and it's still to this day. And and it started as we were going to do it. I've been. I was like, one day, I just wanted. To, I just want to play this record, start to finish with a band live on stage. And uh, I had a couple of friends. They're like, Oh, well, yeah, we'll do that. I, I know how to play every guitar solo. Anyway, it's Brent Hetke from Metallica. It was. And, uh, and, it was yeah. and and so we we did it. Didn't think of a name. Jared Oldman. I was like, I don't know. If we're going to open for Metallica. Jared's like, Why do you call it Appetite for Zaccardi? I'm like, Okay. So yeah, Jared <laughs> Oldman. They named the band. <laughs> you know, it's not. It was. You know, it kind of feels kind of like arrogant to have a band called that, but it kind of worked. Well, Buddy, my made made a logo for me. No, no. But funny, so. here's the bit, man. Anybody who knows you knows that there's nothing egotistical about that, and the fact that you love that as much as you love so many other things. All right, we're talking to Tony Zaccardi. He is the owner of Palmer's Palmer's Bar. He is waiting for a phone call any moment now from I don't know the New York Times or the Vatican Archives. I can't remember who's <laughs> waiting to call you right now. Um, but you you first got contacted by Newsweek because when you bu- when you boarded up your business, uh, Palmer's Bar in southeast Minneapolis on Cedar with plywood and then painted black owned business on it to protect it I, I got worried immediately i'm like is that not a bigger target but it's led to bigger things you were on with john king yesterday moving forward tony you know you and i you know that you and i understand one another we get one another but here we are at the, this crucial <laughs> juncture you know what i mean like you i i can't imagine what you've had to deal with growing up and i wish we would have spent more time on this um you know being african-american i can't relate i can be an ally but i can't relate and i don't expect you to offer the answers what would you like to see happen going forward do you i know that the 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 giant loud protests are a long time coming i know that there are agitators and there are also young kids who are just looking to stir shit up what would you advocate moving forward being a small business owner in a community that matters to me what do the what does the average person do to support you to support our community. I don't own a shotgun. I can't get out and stand in front of Palmer's. Right. Like what, what does the average person do in your estimation, at least to, to, to calm the situation for me, it's stay at home. It's not that I don't support. It's not that I don't believe, but I don't want to have tear gas in my eyes and I don't want to get hurt. Nope. Uh, but I, but I also I also want to be on your side. I want to be on everybody's side. I want to be a better human. And I know I'm right. asking you an impossible question. What do we do? Well, I think you know. I think one thing I think it'd be great for. I mean, I was just so many people. You know, thinking of you, my buddy Mark from Chicago, like want to know what to do. I'd love for there to be a better communication or or, or dialogue or a better 
way for people to explain, all right, you want to be an ally, here's what you can do. Mm -hmm. And do I want people to do that without anger. You know, I've seen some stuff like, oh, you want to be a friend of mine? Here's what you need to do. Shut up. It's like, no, that's not it. I want, you know, what's proactive? And that's coming from, from, the, from the black side and the white side. It's like, hey, I legitimately want to do something. I want to be a better person or better have better understanding about it. What can I do? Um, but the biggest thing, the easiest thing is to, to, to go back to those communities and support those businesses. You know, if it's a minority owned business, it's promoting and, 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 goes, Oh man, I really love Gandhi Mahal. And we, let's, how do we help them rebuild? Or, you know, how do we, you know, or this, this restaurant over on the South side, it's just being there. You, maybe you're not saying that and just spending your money when you have it to spend, you know, like going and going, it's my favorite, whatever, my favorite chicken sandwich or this or that, you know, folks like Jared, you know, it's like, going to their shops and just be there and hang out and be an ally without having, without discussing it or without, without pointing out, look what I'm doing. I'm here. It's like, no, you're just there. Right. Just and do I it. I think that's maybe a good approach. Well, and, and so you mentioned that your birthday's coming up in a week. My birthday was just a month ago and the birthday dinner I got was my family bringing home sushi from Midori's floating world. Like th- these are the places, yep. these are the places that define our neighborhoods like Palmer's, like Midori's, like so many other places. And the, the destruction will be cleared away and there will be a better day ahead. And, um, Tony, I wish you and your family the very best. And thank you, by the way, for the last few days, uh, whether it be Newsweek, CNN, MSNBC, all the other places you're talking to, you're repping this city so well. And I'm proud to call you my friend. Oh, thank you, Brian. Thank you very much. I, I it's like it's, it's weird, but I'm excited to be able to share my my little perspective. But I feel like it's a, a positive one, and that's kind of what I'm trying to do. All right. Well, we're going to wrap things up. Uh, before we go, we got to thank a couple people. Audioquip.com, without whom we wouldn't be doing this. I want to thank Jared Brewington again for hooking that up. God damn it, Sean! I almost <laughs> made it through the show without crying. <laughs> Fuck me. It's, uh, There's good people out there. Here's man. the problem. Here's the problem is I haven't been sleeping at all. And uh, I, I fucking love this city, man. I love people like Tony. Yep. I love people like you. And it's uh, it's fucking aggressive. Yeah, it sucks. And it's got to. You're going to make me cry. Oh, shit. <laughs> it's got to get better, man. It's got to get better. So give me a second. Tony, I'll, I'll say this while he's trying to breathe. But my mom protested for the civil rights movement, the anti-war uh, movement, right on Cedar, right by where your building is right now, back in the 60s. Wow. And that's what's crazy oh, wow. to me, is looking at... My mom said that to me. She's like, do you realize that I protested right there? There used to be a little place called the New Riverside Cafe down there. And oh, she's yeah. like, that's yeah. exactly yeah. where I used to protest back in the late 60s. It's just crazy to me. Yeah, that's that's still there. That's the Acadia Cafe now. I know it is. It's there. Yeah, that's wild. But that's where that she was. Of... Mm. Well, thanks to Crazy. all our, our, our Patreon members, there will be an opportunity once civil unrest settles <laughs> at least a little. We will have an opportunity for you to come get your tote bags. And for those of you out of state, maybe even out of country, we'll find a way to get them to you. But we a sincere thank you to everyone who's been a Patreon supporter from day one here. Episode 61 of The Brian Oak Show. Thank you, Sean, very much. Nice to see you again. Thank you. Uh, and thanks to everybody who listens, shares, you know, podcast. It, it shares it and spreads it and amplifies. Um, this is a voice for the Twin Cities. And I think that especially right now, God, maybe more than ever than right now, there's a need to right. amplify what's happening here. You know, people think of this as flyover country. They think of us at Minnesota Nice. But, they, you know, and so you're, and you're watching this violence rapidly ripple outwards like a rock in the water. And um, while while the the outrage is justified, it's also it needs to be tempered. It needs to we 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 have to keep taking care of each other and not capitulate to the more agitating elements. Um, so Tony, um, I haven't seen you in too long, my man. I remember the last time I saw you, and that was a good time. But I'm not sharing that story. Um, uh, but I, I remember the last time I saw you, and um, I can't thank you enough for joining us and sharing your perspective. Palmer's Bar. Now a lot of restaurants have reopened at least their patios, and you have an exceptional patio. Are you doing that or are you holding off? I'm holding off. Uh, I'm going to wait. A few, I want to see, especially, I, I was already going to hold off, but now I want to see if there's any flare up with all these yeah. protests and such. But I, I'm, gonna, I'm I'm putting a, a wet bar out of the patio, actually, the bar out of the basement of BJ's Strip Club I'm getting. It's oh beautiful my God. patio. Wow. I'm, I have a wet bar. I'm going to have expanded seating um, or just a, a, a little more, a little more. Oh, yeah, I'm doing some work. 
and in fixing the bathrooms up too. So, will you please um, sanitize that bar before anybody uses yeah, it? I was going to say anybody who's been to BJ's. <laughs> oh. I've only been once in my entire adult life as part of a bachelor party, and that is one wow. of you, you want to talk about tears. You want to talk stand about stand up fights, right? <laughs> Oof. Yeah, no, that's trust me. No, <laughs> it, it's uh, thankfully it's gone on. It's gone unused for decades now. Uh, <laughs> this is the one, but uh, but yeah, no, it's gonna get it's gonna get the cleaning of a lifetime. Trust me. Well, uh, I appreciate it. Hey Tony, we gotta call. We gotta call it a night uh, or a day or Perfect. whatever time it is. It's. It's. I haven't slept well in five days. I don't really know where we're at or what's happening. Um, but I hope you're well, man, and I hope Palmer stays safe. And I cannot wait until the next time I can come and clink a glass of the brown with you, man. I love you. I I can't wait. I love it to you, Brian. Thank you so much, you guys. Gladly and good luck. And you said who? Who's calling you next? The New York Times, MSNBC. Yeah. That, uh, is CNBC? No, I'm waiting for New York Times. I'm calling Spotify back because I, they can wait for me to talk to Brian Oak first. That's my uh... <laughs> damn straight. All right, so let's let you get to the business at hand because you have bigger fish to fry than the Brian Oak Show. Before we say goodbye, thanks to all of our sponsors, our contributors, our Patreon members, and you chose a song by one of my favorite bands from this region. Ben Lubeck has been a guest on this show and one of the kindest people I've ever met. Why did you choose this song by Farewell Milwaukee? Um, a, I love it. I, and I've played with them a few times as a, as a band, but this song to me, again, I mean, it's not, I'm not a religious person, but it's find some grace for, uh, for me. And I think in this, in this time, I think it's just a, a great, like, let's do this, you know, let's, we're all kind of ready to heal and, and figure out how to be better in all of this. And uh, I just think it's an appropriate song. I couldn't agree more. Tony, thank you very much. Sean, good to see you. We'll be back yeah. on Thursday. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Do you believe what you said? Cause it's still running through my head. And I think you may. This time. If it's all right with you, well, I think I'll put on one last tune because for you, success is failure. You told me you've got something for me. Just can't put your finger down. Nah, not tonight. Not tonight. So give me rock and roll when I'm all alone. Let me borrow some of those city lights. Give me a ride to go when I'm home.